Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians has only four chapters. Chapter 1 has 30 verses, and it's a tremendous little book. It was written by Paul while he was in prison in Rome. Paul never called himself a prisoner of Rome. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. The reason he said that is because the reason he was in prison, not that he did anything wrong, he was in prison for preaching the word of God. And over and over again he would say, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Notice this. Paul and Timotheus, servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, he addresses the Philippians as saints. Somehow through the ages, one of the churches has anointed certain people to be saints. They talk about St. Bartholomew, St. Matthew, St. John, St. Peter, St. Mary, so on. But the Bible says every believer is a saint. If you're saved, you're a saint. Some people say, well, I ain't no saint. You say that colloquially, meaning that you're not a very good person, I guess. But you ought to be thankful you are a saint. You're God's child by faith. Now, beginning in verse 3, Paul does what he often does in his epistles. He says, I'm thankful for you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. The Philippian church was a church that communicated with Paul over and over again. That is, they sent him support money. Very few churches did that, but Philippi did that. Do you remember when Philippian church was organized? Paul was on a missionary journey. He had gone from Bithynia, from, from uh, Derby, and uh, the other places down there in Galatia. He wanted to go east toward Bithynia, which eventually ended up in maybe Russia, or China, or Mongolia, over that way. I said, don't go that way. Go west. The reason, over the west, somehow, the gospel received more of an opening. Even to this day, the Orient, China, Japan, has been very difficult getting the gospel out. Tagline had been in Japan for 40 years. They say the percentage of Christians in Japan is still about 1%. So Paul went west. He went to Troas, and Troas had a vision in the night, come over and help us. Heard some people from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. 
So they crossed the Aegean Sea, went to the city of Philippi. There were three people saved in that city that began that great church. The first was a woman named Lydia. She was a seller of purple, probably a very wealthy person. She was out by the riverside. And Paul went out there and began to preach. And Lydia gave his heart, her heart to Christ. She became such a Christian, she invited Paul and his friends to come stay at their house while they were in Philippi. Later on, he saw a woman with a familiar spirit. And that woman with a familiar spirit started testifying about Jesus. He said, I know you, Paul. You're a servant of Jesus. She did that day after day until finally Paul said, I don't need that kind of testimony. He commanded the devil to come out of her. And she got saved and changed and made the people of the city so mad they arrested Paul because they were making a lot of money on what she was doing. So they were thrown in prison. During the imprisonment, at midnight there was an earthquake. The prison doors were all open. The prisoners were able to leave if they wanted to, but Paul asked them not to. The guard came and said, I'm going to kill myself. Tomorrow morning they'll kill me because all the prisoners will be gone. And Paul said, no, don't leave. Don't do anything like that. We're all here. And the prisoner, the guard, came and said to Paul, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be like you? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. At night, the prisoner that the guard gave his heart to the Lord. So now the prisoners got saved. Paul was a hero. When the guard told the people of the city that Paul was a Roman citizen, they were afraid. It was against the law to flog a Roman citizen or put him in prison without a trial. So they came, got Paul out, sent him away, and Paul left Philippi. That's, that's the story behind the church at Philippi. Well, Paul says, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. He says some more things. Notice in verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that we have a salvation we can depend on. God is not going to save us for a few days, then kick us out. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, when you give your heart to Jesus, you're saved forever. It's not something you have just for a few days and you can lose it. When you're really saved, Christ lives in your heart, you're His. You may leave Him, He never leaves you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said that. Now in verse 7, it was meet for me to think of you all because I have you in my heart, as well as both of my bonds, and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers of my grace. 
For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray. Notice four things he prayed. I hope you'll mark this in your Bible. Keep it with you the rest of your life. Number one, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So I'm praying your love will abound in knowledge and in judgment. What does that mean? Well, the earmark of a Christian is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, so on. But notice, I'm praying that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Now, you need to know who to love and what to love and have judgment about it. For example, we're to love people who are down and out. We're to love people who are sinners. We're to love people who are saints. We're to love people in the church. But we're to love with knowledge and judgment. Let the Holy Spirit apply that to your heart. What does it mean to love in knowledge and in judgment? That is, there are people you can love, but you can't be like them. You have to recognize they're not the kind of people you want to be like. You can love them anyway. Have judgment so that you understand the fact that some of the things they do, you don't want to do. Now, young people especially need this. And a lot of, almost everybody needs this. It's possible to know people <clears throat> and to think that you are supposed to love them because they, they seem to live a good life. But if they don't believe what you believe about the Bible, be very careful. You can love them, but don't be like them. Don't gobble up everything they say. Some people are so gullible that isn't everything everybody says. He says, love and knowledge and judgment. Now, look at verse 10. That you may approve things that are excellent. Approve things that are excellent. Most of us have to face day by day that which is good and that which is bad. That which is excellent, that which is less than excellent. You may approve things that are excellent. For example, suppose there's a wonderful ball game going on on Wednesday night. You'd really like to see it. In former years, Western didn't play on Wednesday night, but I think they do now. You've got to consider, should I go to church on Wednesday night, or should I go to that ball game? He said, I'm praying you may approve things that are excellent. Find out what is excellent, and do the excellent thing. Then it goes on, that ye may be sincere, without offense, 
in the day of Christ. I'm praying that you may be sincere and without offense. Our lives will be so lived that we not be offensive to people. We'll be sincere and godly, not be offensive. Look at verse 11 now. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, under the glory and praise of God. Be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Paul said, Philippians, I'm praying for you. I know you're saved. I have this confidence God has performed a good work in you. He'll perform to the day of Jesus Christ. But I want to ask you, I'm praying that you will discern things that are excellent, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and judgment, that you'll be without offense on the day of Christ, to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. That's what we need to pray for each other. You say, how do you pray for somebody? What do you, what do you just name the name? Lord bless Joel, bless Mary, bless Harry. Is that the way you pray? Or do you pray specifically like Paul did? I'm praying that you may know how to love with justice and impunity. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus. Then being in verse 12, it begins with all sort of a different subject, and we'll talk about that just for a moment. I would have you to understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. What's happened to him? Paul's been arrested. He's been put in prison. He's in Rome, possibly waiting for the execution. He says, don't worry about it. This has happened. It's uh, fallen out rather than the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all, pal- all the palace and all other places. In other words, he says, everybody knows I'm in prison. They know why I'm here, and I'm telling everybody about Jesus while I'm in prison. And they're hearing of the Lord. Verse 14, many of the brethren of the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some of goodwill, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincere as opposed to add to my bonds, the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, are there and do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. What he's saying is, I have some enemies. Not everybody likes me. And he's saying, some are saying, ha ha, Paul's in prison. And they go out and preach about why Paul's in prison. Does that offend Paul? No, he said, that doesn't make a difference. He said, I'm thankful the gospel is being preached. Whether it's contention or sincerely, I'm thankful the word of God is preached. And I do rejoice and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my deliverance. The word salvation there is another word for deliverance. He's not talking about eternal salvation. He's not going to earn heaven by being in prison. He says, this, I, this shall turn to my deliverance 
through your prayers and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so also now Christ should be magnified in my body, whether it be by death or by life. And then that bold statement, I close with that, for to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Paul said, Philippians, I want to tell you a secret. I'm praying for you. I love you. I thank God for you over and over again. I pray for you very seriously. And I want to tell you, I'm in prison. And some are making fun of me for being in prison. It's okay. I just want the gospel preached. I want to tell you this. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. To stay here is more needful for you. For to me to live is Christ to live through me. But to die is gain. It's okay. Had a funeral today. And uh, the uh, major from the Salvation Army was there. He knew William pretty well. And he talked about William going to heaven. And he said he would not want to come back and live here with all of his problems and burdens and heartaches and hurts. He's over there, safe in the arms of Jesus. Isn't that good? You and I look forward to that too. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Help us to honor Christ with all we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. We're going to sing. What's your name? 528, are you able? 528, are you able, said the master, to be crucified with me. The invitation is simply this. If you're here and you've never been saved, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. To know Christ is to live forever. For to me to live is Christ. If you are saved, are you serving him? Are you living a life that heaven watches and is thankful for? You may want to come and pray. Do whatever God would lead you to do while we sing, while we pray.